Today's scripture lesson comes to us from the 8th chapter of Mark, verses 31 through 38. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind on divine things, not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those, those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of God for the people of God. Will you pray with me and for me? Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, if you follow the Primetime Emmy Awards, you probably know that the most critically acclaimed reality program on television for 10 of the last 12 years has been a show called The Amazing Race. Every season, this show features 10 to 12 largely unknown couple teams who are pitted against each other as they race around the world following Phil Kogan, who is the face of the show. Teams travel to exotic locales such as Costa Rica, Malaysia, and the Seychelles. And in each location, racers must complete tasks that are designed to expose them to local culture and customs, while at the same time challenging them both mentally and physically. Part of the show's appeal is that it teaches the American television audience some world geography, provides lessons about cultures and customs different from our own, and gives us a chance to glimpse places that we will never get a chance to see ourselves. However, to participate in this show, contestants are denied many of the things that we take for granted in life. They must take a leave of absence from their jobs and from their salaries. They must say goodbye to friends and family, give up cell phones, laptops, GPSs, and anything else that connects to the Internet, and pack everything they need for 30 days of international travel into one backpack. In exchange for all of this, they are sequestered, forced to endure stumbling blocks and language barriers, and often face exhaustion 
and stress-induced arguments with their partners. All of this is done in hopes of being the one couple that shares a million-dollar prize for winning the Amazing Race. The Amazing Race is a longtime fixture on our television screens. It's been running for 26 seasons, spanning 14 years and somewhere around 1.1 million miles. But I think it's been mismarketed. I think it should perhaps be called The Incredible Journey or maybe even An Amazing Race, but not The Amazing Race. You see, I think the, the Amazing Race was played out two millennia ago during a three-year period in an area in the Middle East that covers a straight-line distance of just 63 miles. This Amazing Race had many of the same elements that are played out on our TV screens on a weekly basis. It involved a core group of 12 people who left their jobs, families, and friends behind to follow their leader. They traveled from place to place, nearly 3,200 miles by conservative estimates, challenging local customs, encountering stumbling blocks, facing exhaustion, and sometimes even battling each other. As this race played out, it left lasting lessons for millions of people who would come later. Lessons that still teach Christians what it means to be children of God. Today's scripture reading gives us the lessons from one of the many legs of this amazing race. The amazing race that led from a carpenter shop in Galilee to a crude cross in Jerusalem. The lessons that we can learn between, from the interaction between Peter and Jesus and Jesus' subsequent teaching moment are more memorable and important than the brief lessons that are taught from the television program. But they are not made for television pretty. In fact, they are perplexing and uncomfortable. This lesson today begins with words like suffering, rejected, and death. And from there it goes into a disturbing exchange in which Peter rebukes Jesus and is called Satan in return. And finally, it ends with instructions that involve denial and death. And this passage barely touches on any good news, which is the definition of the word gospel to begin with. Nonetheless, there are good lessons to be learned. We can learn a lesson from Peter, who immediately before this story had identified Jesus as the Messiah. Peter had certain expectations of Jesus to live up to that title. He expected the miracles he had already seen to continue into the future. He expected a powerful leader who would guide Israel out of the oppression she experienced at the hands of the Romans and into a life of prosperity and freedom. 
Instead, he got a prediction from the very one who he thought would lead the revolution against Caesar. It was a prediction that said, I am about to be snubbed by all the people who profess to be God's chosen people. And it will lead to great bodily suffering and even death. Peter expected the promise of the hope of Israel, but he got the promise of a beaten, rejected, and crucified Messiah. We can learn from Peter that life doesn't always give us what we want. Yet I don't think any of us need Peter to tell us that. We've already experienced the pain of life, the ache of illness and injury, the heartbreak that comes with the loss of a loved one, the anxiety that comes from being bullied, or the fear from losing a job. But we can also glean from Peter that it is okay to be disappointed with God. We can also learn a lesson from Jesus, who gave the crowd a three-part plan for becoming his disciples. He said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Now, Jesus didn't mean this in the fact that we had to demean ourselves or give up everything that's not required to sustain life. He didn't expect us to develop a stiff upper lip stiff upper lip and deal with our problems without complaining. Nor did he expect us to deal with this world on our own. These are difficult lessons to understand. We grew up being told that we are bad bad Christians if we question God, that it shows a lack of faith to be disappointed with our creator over the things of life. We are raised being told that we are bad people when we have things that bring us comfort and pleasure. Brothers and sisters, we are not bad Christians if we voice our feelings of doubt and disappointment. We are not bad people for wanting a roof over our heads, heat in the winter, cooling in the summer, someone to love us, and enough food to eat. God included those wants and feelings when he created us in his image. And we are not wrong or unfaithful to God when we express them. You see, the danger is not in the emotion itself. Rather, the danger comes when we wallow in those feelings and cut ourselves off and isolate ourselves from God when we are disappointed. The danger is in giving our interests and our needs priority above God's desires. Friends, we have a decision to make today and every day. We can choose to live life on our own terms, or we can choose the amazing race that was run for our redemption. I pray we can all choose to meet God in our disappointment allowing him to join us in our pain, embrace us, love us, and redeem us in our places of brokenness and weakness. 
I pray that we can put priority on the interests of God and take up our own cross, actively choosing to use the talents and abilities that God has given us to serve others and light a spark in the hearts of men that the world cannot extinguish. I pray we can follow Jesus' lead to the foot of the cross, where we can all know the love of God and love of neighbor that we were intended to experience. But most importantly, I pray that as we continue our Lenten journey with Jesus, we can all realize that we are not alone. We are running the amazing race with our Savior and with each other. This amazing race requires meeting challenges and self-denial and even heartbreak. It does not lead to a million-dollar prize, but it will be worth the cost. You see, this race, this amazing race, leads to unlimited love and grace, eternal life, and eternal joy. Brothers and sisters, this is the good news found in today's gospel. The good news that allows us to grow with God, grow with others, and grow in service to the world. Amen and amen.